0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. We're in Romans 8, and so today we're going to be talking about uh, believing that God is actively at work to my good. This is a really good thing for believers to get to the place where we actually believe that God's working for my good. Um, and every, every single one of us, we've been in that place before where it just doesn't feel like God is working for my good. Or we've, we've had a, a situation in life where somebody who's supposed to be um, maybe an authority figure, like it doesn't feel like they're working for my good. I had, I had teachers in seventh grade that they gave me like three hours of homework every night in seventh grade. They were not working for my good. At least I think they thought so, but I, nah, no, I don't think so. Another good example of it actually comes from—I don't know if you remember the movie Miracle. Uh, it was a movie back in 2004 about Coach Herb Brooks and uh, the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team that was the Miracle on Ice team that beat this juggernaut Soviet team. Now here's what's really crazy about this. I was thinking about this week that movie took place in 2004 about a 1980 teen that was like 24 years before do you realize it's now been like 18 years since the movie was made that makes you feel old doesn't it like when it when it came out in 2004 I'm like 1980 that's like that's like a hundred years ago it's not at all and man life is just really going quick but the story comes down to this uh, this guy named Herb Brooks And he's meant to bring in all of these amateur guys. We're talking like 18, 19, 20-year-old guys from all these colleges around the country, uh, hockey players, to go up and and go against literally professionals from Russia that, like, these guys hadn't lost a game in years. And he's supposed to try to bring this team together and get them to a place where they'll actually do well in the Olympics. And it's a hard task. And there's one time where... uh, they, they played a game, uh, kind of a scrimmage game against, uh, I think it was a Norwegian team. And they, they tied like 3-3. Three to three. And Coach Brooks was mad after the game. Not necessarily because they tied, but because of the, the work and the effort that they were putting into it. And so he brought him back on the ice. And if you watch the movie, it's, it's kind of one of the most famous scenes from the movie. He brings him back on the ice after the game. And he's just, he's lighting into these guys. That because, you know, if, if you expect to go and tie this team? How do you expect to go into the Olympics and do anything good? And he says to them, do you think that you guys can win on talent alone? Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. And so what he kept on saying is, he kept on calling out again. And what would happen is every time he'd say again, the assistant coach would blow his whistle and these guys would, they would do lines going back and forth, back and forth on this ice rink. And it just kept going over and over to the point that the, the assistant coach, every time that, that Coach Brooks would say, again, he was actually starting to get to the point of like, I can't, I can't blow the whistle again, Coach. And Coach is looking at him he's like, again, blow the whistle. Um, and at one point he says, if you guys think that you can come in here and play the Norwegian national team and tie him and then go to the Olympics and win, you got another thing coming. You better think about something else, each and every one of you. When you pull on that jersey, you represent yourself and your teammates. And the name on the front is a heck of a lot more important than the name on the back. That is why right there I'm not showing the video. <laughs> he didn't say heck. Um, he says, get that through your head. This cannot be a team of common men because common men go nowhere. I absolutely love that statement. And then he says again, for them to, ru- to, to not run, to skate. But then at the, this moment is when one of the guys on the team he just, right before the, the coach blows the whistle, he just shouts out, Mike Cruzioni, Massachusetts. And you're kind of watching, and you're like, what? what's going on? And coach goes, who do you play for? United States of America. And coach just goes, good night, good night, gentlemen. And it was actually really cool. At that moment, you watch as they're going off the ice, the assistant coach, he kind of gives this little smirk. He's watching them go off the ice, and it finally dawned on him like he understood what the coach was doing. The whole time, the assistant coach and, and one of the other guys, like they were actually worried that these boys were going to get injured, that coach was, gonna put, was putting them in a bad place. And I sometimes wonder, I'm like, I know God created us, and he doesn't take notes from us, but did he take notes from that movie? Because it feels like sometimes that's what God's doing, right? Like he's just telling you, again, again, keep keep skating and if he's telling me to skate it's gonna be ugly um we went skating a couple weeks back with my family is i'm just i feel like i'm an athletic human being until i put skates on and it is just ugly but i'm sure that these guys thought that their coach he was not out for their good there's times where we think the same thing with god God, are you really out for my good? I remember one time, um, I went to my first year of college, I've said this before, but I went to UW La Crosse mainly because I wanted to get gen eds done and because there was this really cute girl that was going to school there. Her name was Crystal. Um, But I knew I couldn't stay there longer than a year. I was going to have to go to Bible school for pastoral studies. And so the next year, my mom and dad take me to Bible school in Minneapolis, and I remember literally sitting in the car the night they were dropping me off, and I was bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, is this really what God wants for me? Be away from that girl? Um, it does, there's so many times in life where we're like, does God really have my best interest in mind in this situation? Um, the r- question hits us all hard at times. You're having a really tough time in life. Is God really for me? And, and I think the passage we're about to read in Romans 8, it might it might just give actually the best answer to this question in all of Scripture. How do I know that God is actually for going, looking out for my good? So I want to read this. It's Romans 8, 26 through 28. It says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's one of those verses uh, talking about kids memorizing scriptures. Uh, A lot of you probably memorized Romans uh, Romans 8.28 when you were a kid. God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And I think these three verses work so well together to support this idea that God actually has our good intentions in mind. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few ways that I think that Paul is trying to tell us in this passage that God is working for our good. And the first thing is this. The Holy Spirit is constantly interceding for me, helping me in ways that I cannot understand. He's constantly interceding for me, helping me in ways I can't understand. And as I was going through this this week, some things actually dawned in my head that I was like, man, that's more, God is even more cool than I thought as I was looking at this. Um... He starts by saying that, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we kind of have to look at that a little bit. Like, what does it mean that the Spirit is helping us in our weakness? A lot of times when we talk about weakness in the, in the, in the church, we talk about sin. That, well, he's helping me in my weakness. My weakness is my sin. And that is one of the weaknesses, but I don't think that that's the weakness that Paul's actually talking about in this passage. What he does is he uses this, word, this Greek word, asthenia. Now, most of the times in the New Testament, the word asthenia talking about weaknesses is referring to infirmities, like physical infirmities, sicknesses that we have. But the next most times that the word asthenia is used is talking about like this despair in our soul. This weakness that we have, this despair. And that's the that is how Paul's using this word. And what he seems to be saying is he's saying, Paul is saying that this weakness is despair in not even knowing how to pray for a particular situation in life that is beyond our capability to really deal with. You ever get to that place where you just, you had such despair going on that you didn't even have the words to pray when you got in the situation where you're about to pray? That's the kind of thing Paul's talking about. What I love about it, is he saying that, yes, that, that despair can be so real, but that type of weakness in us of not knowing even what to pray in those situations, it is not a hindrance. It's definitely not a hindrance to God. It's at these very moments where God is able to bring forth his glory and bring out something from himself that we couldn't do ourselves. This complete despair, not even knowing how to pray for it, and And the Holy Spirit actually steps in. In other words, these moments where we feel so weak, we are not hopeless. They they don't have to be the awful moments in our life that we look back on. Because in the grand scheme of it all, the Holy Spirit is promising to come in and to do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. If you're a praying person, I'm guessing that you've been in that spot before. You've been trying to pray and it's like, I... God, I don't, even know what to do. I don't even know where to start. And if we think about it that way, sometimes it feels like it's a lost cause. Like, like that pr- moment of prayer, man, I, pff, I didn't say anything worth what, that, that God's going to change his mind about. Like, what good did my prayer even do? But I think sometimes while it feels really discouraging to be in that moment, I think it also, we can start to look at it as, as something that can be incredibly freeing for us. When we get to that place where we don't even know what the words are to say. Um, cause see what happens when I really feel like I know what to pray for. I will go into, into a time of prayer and I'll say, God, this is how things have to happen. That's, a, that's not a great way to go, Right. God, I think you need to go about this. And I will pray and pray and pray and I'll pray until I feel like I've said it the right way that God is, uh, well, yeah, I've got to answer, Kellen. He, that was a great prayer. Man, we think that we'll get God to do that but we can, our kids can't, they can't even get us to change our mind about anything. How, how are we going to get God to change his mind about something because we said it the right way? It's okay not to have the words to say. There's times where I don't even feel like I know what to begin with. What to ask for. I don't know what's best. Take even the situation of, have uh, you ever been praying for somebody who was, who was sick, but they were a really, really old person? And you don't even know what to pray in those moments. Like, God, I don't know what, the be- like, I want that person to be healed, but I also realize they've lived a really long life. Maybe, is this, is this a time to pray, let Lord, just give them peace in, in their last days? Those are difficult things, moments of knowing how to even pray. And I think there's times where what what Paul is saying is the Spirit wants to come in and and do part of that prayer for us. Our kids are going through changes. I don't even know, I don't know what to say. They're feeling all alone and I don't, my heart breaks. And again, I don't know what to say. What What do I do? And I think that's where this passage is really encouraging. My despair or or not knowing what to say or think about in a situation, it's not a hindrance to God whatsoever. I'm going to read that passage again, verse 26. It says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. I'm going to tell you, in most of my life reading that passage, I took that as the Spirit himself intercedes as I give out wordless groans. Like I'm doing all the effort and somehow the spirit. I want you to catch what is actually, if the verse is up there still. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The actual language here is actually more of the spirit is doing the talking. I get into a moment of prayer. I don't know what to say. It is not a one way conversation. There is so much. I was so encouraged by this this week. That. And it's not the whole thing, you could look at this and be like, oh sweet, I don't have to pray. No, that's not what he's trying to say. But he is saying, you don't have to have all the right words. Have a relationship with me, come and pray. Please, come and pray. But this is not going to be a one-way conversation. And there's going to be times where you're not even going to hear me praying. We think about sometimes the Spirit like gives us, all while we pray, that he speaks something into us and all of a sudden we get it. But this is actually saying, like, he might just speak things that you're not even going to understand, but it's just between him and the Father. And he's going to be speaking the things to the Father, interceding on your behalf, the very things that you need. So this encourages me to pray even more, like, Oh, dude, so God's going to inter, the Spirit's going to intercede on, on my behalf while I just don't even know what to say? That's pretty cool. So I'm going to put it this way. It seems that one of the privileges that we have as followers of Jesus is that when we are at the point of despair, not knowing what to pray, the Holy Spirit takes it upon himself to pray on our behalf. There's an old uh, theologian, Swiss theologian named Karl Barth, and he actually says it this way. God makes himself our advocate with himself. That he utters for us that unintelligible groaning so that we will sh- he will surely hear what we ourselves could not have told him so that he will accept what he himself has to offer. That's crazy stuff that's going on here in the spiritual realm that the Holy Spirit is advocating for me on my behalf in ways that I don't even know what to do or say so that the Father will hear perfectly what the Spirit has to say to work on my behalf. That's pretty cool, right? That is a selfless God that loves us beyond anything. Like, I've walked out of prayer before discouraged. And this says, man, just come to pray and the Holy Spirit's going to enter in and he's going to do some of the work. That's pretty awesome. When you come to God in prayer, you can be sure that God will come to you as well. That's a really cool promise. Um, I love having friends that, that I don't have to do all the talking with when I'm with them. You ever been in a car with somebody that, like... You have to do all the talking. Oh, it's awful. Or you ever walk into an elevator and you kind of know the person. And you're like, oh, this is really awkward. Maybe I should say something. It's a horrible feeling. And we don't have to have that feeling in our relationship, in our conversations with God. It's totally fine to walk into the conversation with God not knowing what to say. Because it's not a one-way conversation. Uh. Spirit is not limited by our limitations. He's not limited by our weaknesses of not understanding what he understands. It's pretty cool. I love something that our lead pastor David actually says. He says, intercession is the highest form of prayer. You forget about yourself and pray for someone else. God forgets about himself and actually intercedes for us. How cool is that? Like the selflessness of God to be able to do that for us. Um... There's no doubt about it. We feel, we all go through moments where we feel like the world is broken around us. And when that world feels broken, there's times where it just, everything overwhelms us. I think sometimes we have the tendency to give up. Sometimes we have the tendency to protest. Maybe we go and we post angry things on social media. But what, what God is asking us, I think, to do is to just surrender to this kind of prayer that in the moment where where the world is broken around us to come to him exactly as we are without the answers because he has the answers and he wants to help us all right so that's part of what it looks like for God interceding on our behalf that's part of this idea of God doing for us what is for our good beyond what we could ever imagine The second thing I want to talk about is this. In grace, the Spirit aims for my good in all things according to his will. We are told in this passage that the Spirit aims for our good, but then there's this little caveat with it. It's not for my personal good only. It's for the good of kind of this whole kingdom. Let me read verses 27 and 28. It says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now see, as a man, there, like the, there's only one thing that may be as unknowable as the mind of a woman. And that is the will of God. All right? I, I have known my wife for a long time. I had a crush on her in 7th grade. We dated as a juniors in high school. And like I've been married almost 20 years. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know what you're thinking still. Like, I'll see she's a little frustrated. I'm like, I think I've been a good person today. I don't know. what did I do? You know, like, I don't know the mind of a woman still. I even less know the will and the mind of God. I just don't. A lot of the time. And... It's okay, because the Spirit knows the mind and the will of God. And the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. This will of God, like, what in the world is it? Do, am I supposed to stay in this, in this old job that I've got? Or am I supposed to go to this new job? I don't know what God wants for me. Um, am I supposed to confront the issue that I've got going on with this friend right now? Or am I supposed to just extend a little bit of extra grace and kind of let it go? And well, God, what do you want me to do? I don't know. Bottom line is we don't know the mind of God nor do we always know what the will of God is. But the Spirit instinctively knows the will of God because the Spirit is God. Like it's it's pretty basic, right? He's not some Spirit that is just inside of us passively getting along. He is actively working for our good even when we don't know what, what the will of God is. You see something interesting here is I think when it comes to kind of the way that we pray about life we often intercede for ourselves based on how we see the world however I see the world that's how I'm going to pray about stuff but the spirit intercedes for us based on how God sees the world and those things are usually very far apart from each other and so I want man I want the spirit interceding for me based on how God sees the world that's a good thing and that's what verse 27 really is all about it's Verse 27 is setting up verse 28. Verse 27 is the whole thing about God is, the Spirit is interceding based on the will of God. Verse 28 is, God is working for our good. Based on the will of God, not based on just what I want. So here's a beautiful way of praying praying this humble submission to God's better understanding of our life situation. It being a better understanding than the understanding that I have. When I can pray that humble submission, like, God, I, I know I'm praying this right now based on what I, how I see the world, but maybe how you see the world is different, and I humbly submit to that. And I trust that you actually have in mind what is better for me than what I have for myself. That's a hard thing for us to kind of to grab onto. You know, I may, I may want to serve God in a way that, that that suits my needs I might want to be a person that's up on stage that people can look at and be like oh man what a, what a great singer you are instead of being that person that maybe where God wants me to serve isn't in the background where nobody sees it but it's it's fulfilling the purpose that God has for me or maybe it's even deeper than that maybe God wants me to go through certain pain in my life that just flat out is not awesome And everything in us, when we go through that pain, we're sitting there going, God, this is not what's best for me. There's no way. And maybe it's not a year down the road. Maybe it's not five years down the road. Maybe it's 30 years down the road that all of a sudden we realize the kingdom mindset that God had over us. See, it's not about what's best for me is not about what's just best for my own life. Me, my family, all that. What's best for me is ultimately going to be what's best for the kingdom of God we have to be willing to look at life from this top view of the way that God looks at life. Yeah, Kellen, I get that you're going through a really tough time right now, but I'm, I'm building you up for a certain thing down the road here. Yeah, Kellen, I know you're going through a really tough time right now, but it's also to, to shed light about who I am to the people around you as you go through that time. See, God has an incredible plan for us that is good, but sometimes that good is more of a kingdom good than it is our own good. That's tough for us to see. So this is where we've got to get to the point that we believe. That there is a much better good than just your day-to-day problems getting better. If I can start to see that, that God working in my life is, and him doing good is more than just my problems getting fixed, then I'm going to be in a pretty good place to let him do the good that he wants to do. One thing that, that's easy to pass up in Romans 28, we all we all look at that part, um, the first part. God, God's working for our good. And it's like we skip the last part. The, the last part that says we've been called according to his purpose. I haven't been called according to my purpose. I've been called according to his purpose. So it actually means that I give up my claims that I once held as to what my purpose actually is. It's seeing your good as God's purposes being carried out rather than my happiness being fulfilled. And the the natural thing for us to to want is is for my happiness to be fulfilled. We desire our purposes over anybody else's and what happens is that actually, I think, is the biggest cause for us being unsatisfied people. If my purpose is only about me, you're going to be unsatisfied with your purpose. CDC actually says that four out of ten people today are unsatisfied with their purpose. It's interesting because I would say at least that many, their purpose is all about themselves. So that's why we're unsatisfied. If you are new to this whole Jesus thing, if you are new to church, I get a lot of what I'm saying right here. It's like, man, that, that is tough to hear. I just wanted my problem fixed, and that's why I came to church. <laughs> God isn't about just fixing our problems. Think about the mom who sacrifices all the stuff for her kids. Yeah, it's not great that she's tired all the time. It's not great that she's got to give up most of her identity for those children. But in doing that, what does she bring to the kids' lives? It's not all about her. Nothing in this life is all about us. There's a kingdom mindset that it's all about. So if you're coming to this into this morning, wanting things just to be fixed, it's not exactly the business that God is in the business of doing. Jesus went to the cross to fix the biggest problem that you and I have. That's the biggest problem that he he knew he had to fix more than anything else was our sin problem. And he fixed it on the cross. Maybe this morning you walked in here thinking, this is the thing that needs to get fixed in my life. Or this is the thing that needs to get fixed in my life. And maybe God is saying, no, the only thing that needs to get fixed is your spirit. I want to make you as close to me as possible. And all the other stuff, it's, it's going to come. It's going to come in time. But first, let's get that first thing fixed. Maybe God wants to, to broaden your vision today. I wish you guys can come back up. I'm, I'm almost done here. Um, and Everybody's like, yes. I get it. I do. I've been there before. Maybe God wants to broaden your vision today. Um, Maybe you haven't been feeling like he's working for your good. I'm telling you, it is a promise that he's working for your good. you got to believe that promise. But you also have to get to the place where you see that the promise is not just about you. The promise is about all of us. It's about the whole kingdom. He is working for our good. No matter what the circumstances you find your life to be in this morning the promise that he's working for your good is a true promise for you it's not just for the person sitting next to you the person that you're looking at and thinking man they got everything exactly in their life the way that that it should be why why isn't it like that for me god himself is interceding for you even with words that you don't know what to say yourself Man, if you can walk away with anything of encouragement this morning, it is tomorrow when you get in a moment where you are trying to pray and you don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit's meeting you in that moment. That is such an encouraging thought for me. I don't have to have all the words to say in order so that then I can walk away from my prayer time thinking, yes, I met with God. God meets with me the moment that I step into that moment. And I don't know what to say. His strength overdoes my weakness there's such a beauty in that so today I believe God wants to renew your hope I believe that hope can be renewed by committing to believing that God is actually really truly actively working to your good no matter what you're going through I believe it's a promise for every single one of us question is will you humbly submit to that promise this week will you let this promise actually fill you with hope That no matter what place you find yourself in, God God himself is working for your good. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.